Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. But you don't want to stand here in a few minutes. Well, amen. Mark chapter 15 and verse 20. I want to read just a few verses of scripture here today, amen, on this Father's Day Sunday morning. And uh, as you probably know, I am not in Mythbusters right now, amen. Uh, we try to usually be a little thematic on Father's Day and Mother's Day. Mark 15, verse 20, the Bible states these words. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him. Led him out to crucify him. And they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of the skull. The place of the skull. I know this may seem like a little bit of an Easter setting, perhaps, or passage of Scripture, but I would like to just pluck that middle verse of Scripture from this passage today and talk to us this morning about cross-bearing fathers. Cross-bearing fathers. The Bible says they compelled one Simon a serene who passed by that was coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I love you, Jesus, today. Pray, oh God, that you would help us, God, every tired mind and every tired body. Lord, that we could lean in for the next few moments, Lord, to see what you would have and want and desire. Father, in this place, God, I surrender myself to you. God, my lips, my mind, God, to be a vessel, God, for your purpose and for your plan. I pray, oh God, that you're able to help us in the next few moments. God, that we would, Lord, have some type of understanding concerning your words to understand the importance, Lord, the role, Lord Jesus, of fatherhood, God, in the lives, God, of people, Lord, in the society and nation together. Lord, we'll love you and appreciate you for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Everyone say amen. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Cross, cross-bearing fathers. Recently, recently on Facebook, I shared some statistics from Focus on the Family. And if you didn't see them there, I'll relate them to you now. They said that if a child is the first person in a household to become a Christian, there is 3.5% probability everyone else in the household will follow. They stated that if the mother is the first to become a Christian, there is a 17% probability that everyone else in the household will follow. But if the father is first, there is a 93% probability that everyone else in the household will follow. I believe within those statistics in and of themselves, of any generation for that matter, alone revealed to you and I the influence of fathers in the life of their families, the impact that they have upon their families. Fathers are not the dumbed-down, blabbering fools that Hollywood depicts them out to be, but they are world-changers, world-changers rather for better 
or for worse. The power of the leadership of a father navigates not just his generation, but the many generations that are to follow and that are to come. The scriptures are very repetitive in the Old Testament with a particular phrase. You see this oft times in, in the book of Kings and Judges, but there is a phrase that is repetitive in the Old Testament scripture, and this is the phrase. It would state, speaking of a son, he walked in the way of his father. More times than not, a man's son walked in the way of his father, whether it was a good way or whether it was a wrong way or whether it was a bad way typically the son or the offspring or the children walked in the way of their father and so the well-worn path of the father would become the map if you will that directed the lives of their children the lives of their offspring the bible tells us in genesis that that first man, Adam, or more specifically, if I could call him dad, amen, had originally been created in the image and in the likeness of God. But whenever his third child was born, the Bible describes Seth like this in Genesis 5 and 3, that whenever he came along, he was spoken of as being in Adam's likeness and in Adam's image, or if you will, according to his father's image according to his father's likeness and so from the very beginning in the book of Genesis it was common then for mankind to bear the image and the likeness of the one that created or fathered them so there is a impact there is a influence of a father upon our lives Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, set a pattern for the patriarchs that would come, his, his descendants of Isaac and Jacob. They're spoken of that Abraham was a man that pitched tents. Abraham was a man that dug wells. Abraham was a man that he also built altars. And so it's no surprise then to see his son, and his grandson, Isaac and Jacob, they carry right along with the same pattern of their father and grandfather. They likewise pitched tents. They likewise dug wells. They likewise built altars because this is just another proof of the impact of a father. And so I believe there is a principle here for you and I this morning that a father influences the lives of his children. And it's with that in mind today that fathers do influence the lives of their children that I wish to take the scripture in Mark chapter 15, which is a little sketchy in its details concerning this Simon a Cyrenian and his sons. And I would like to construct, if I may, just a little bit of a storyline about a father and his sons. We don't have a lot of information about him or his sons. As a matter of fact, it is very, very limited. But we do know that Simon was a Cyrenian. And by piecing together the events of the Gospels, we know what it was that he did. Simon was a Cyrenian, the Bible says, and he is found at this particular time frame during the time of the Passover, more importantly during the time when Jesus was being taken from the judgment hall to Calvary to Golgotha, that Simon is entering into the city 
of Jerusalem. And as he is entering into the city of Jerusalem, Jesus and the mob and the crowd that was with him was exiting Jerusalem. Simon is here. We don't know much about this. Simon may have very well been an immigrant, someone that had migrated into Jerusalem. He may have made that his permanent dwelling place, but it hailed, if you will, from Cyrenian. Amen. From Serene, rather. Amen. There is also the possibility, though, that Simon the Serene could be like many others that was at the Passover. The Old Testament law said that every man and every boy at three times a year they should appear before the Lord in Jerusalem. They should come there during the time of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. It could be, Bishop, that Simon had made his way to Jerusalem at this point in time because it was during the Feast of Passover. And if that is the case, I want you to understand that Cyrene is a Greek colony on the northeast coast of Libya in northern Africa. And if that is the case, that means that where Simon would have came from to Jerusalem was an 800 to 900 mile trip. That if he had not migrated and was an immigrant of Jerusalem, but had come for the purpose of Passover, it's very quite capable that as he's entering Jerusalem, he is finishing up a 800 to 900 mile trip to Jerusalem from his homeland. As a matter of fact, historians say such a journey of that day would have probably taken a month's time. So we're talking about a man that may have been possibly traveling for an entire month to arrive at Jerusalem for the purpose of celebrating how they were no longer under Egyptian bondage, no, no longer under hard taskmasters. Going there with the purpose of being able to eat the, the Passover lamb with some people at the sacred city of Jerusalem. And so it was going to take a long time. Uh, he had to probably, by a direct, more direct route, probably have to pass over the Mediterranean Sea, go by boat, probably come to a very notable seaport that we have heard of before by the name of Joppa. You remember Joppa. It was Jonah who went to Joppa to try to get away from God and here's Simon going to Joppa to try to get close to God. And, and so we understand that he is a Cyrene and so he might have had a pretty long trip that was ahead of him that brought him to Jerusalem. But whenever he gets to Jerusalem he has a purpose. I'm going to get there. I'm going to go in the city. I, I'm going to make sure it's land lamb selection day we get the lamb everything maybe I can find a family because they're not supposed to waste the lamb perhaps that I can be a part of to partake of all of this and my life will be enriched it's quite possible since this was such a far distance they were supposed to appear before the Lord every year ideally that was the case but imagine 800 or 900 miles away I doubt that they could make it every year it was just not it was just not cheap enough to make a month's journey amen it just wasn't cheap enough to travel 800 to 900 miles every year. It's quite possible that this was one of the only or one of the few times that Simon the Serene ever went to Jerusalem for the purpose of Passover because he just could not feasibly do it otherwise. And there's something else that we can play with in our minds. As Simon went to Jerusalem on this particular time frame, we have to decide in our minds, is it possible that he already had his sons with him on this trip? 
or on this journey? Are these two boys that went with dad on this trip? We don't have nothing in scripture that tells us really their age or a timeline of their age. There may be a possibility that Alexander and Rufus was with their father being males on this month month long journey to Jerusalem. This 800, 900 mile track, amen, across that was very dangerous. Amen, the lives could have been lost along the way or it could be a possibility that he left those sons at home. I don't know what it is. But I do know this, that the Bible describes what is happening there in the city of Jerusalem at this point in time. It describes that Jesus has already had that crown of thorns put upon his head. He has already been flogged. His back has already been ripped open with the cat of nine tails. He is bleeding greatly, no doubt weak, amen, from the blood that he has lost. He is on his journey to Golgotha. He is on his journey to Calvary. And as he is going toward that direction with the mob of people around him, here comes Simon the Serene, a man that's been on a very long journey and probably somewhat exhausted himself to Jerusalem to celebrate. But as he is going toward that way, the Bible says that they compelled Simon the Serene who was passing by to come and carry the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The harmony of the gospels tell us that he was to carry the cross after the Lord, meaning as though the Lord still had a hold of it and Simon just got up in the hinder part to carry it upon his shoulders as well, to help out, to follow the footprints of the Lord that was before him. He was compelled, the Bible says, to carry the cross. The culture of that day is that a Roman soldier could get anybody out of the crowd. Didn't matter if they were Roman or not or if they were a Jew or if they were a part of the land or not, he could take anybody and say, hey, you, I want you to do this or do that. And they had an option. They could either do it or they may face imprisonment. They could do it or they may even face death. And so called upon Simon, it was most of the times denoted with a tapping of the spear on the top of a shoulder to tell somebody, this is what I want you to do. And so Simon, weary with a month's travel, 800 to 900 mile journey, feeling the tap of a spear upon his shoulder, he's going to celebrate Passover, eat the lamb, one of maybe the only times he was able ever to go. He's being tapped on the shoulder and said, instead of going on into Jerusalem, I want you to get behind this man and carry his cross. Now, folks, you got to understand something. If anything, he probably only heard just a little bit, if anything, about this man, Jesus Christ. 800 to 900 miles away from where Jesus had his heyday, his signs and miracles in that region in town. He may, if at best, just heard a little word. He doesn't know that this man, perhaps that's walking down the road, is Christ the Lord. There's two other malefactors the Bible says it's carrying crosses too. Only thing that Simon knows is here's some men that's headed to Calvary, Golgotha. That's where the criminals, that's where the malefactors, that's where those that have done unjustly go. I'm on my way to keep a sacred ceremonial feast and now I find myself being compelled by some men to carry a cross right here. He had to think for a moment, if I make contact with the blood of this man, it will render me unclean. I won't be able to go in 
and have the lamb, I won't, I won't be able to fulfill the purpose for what I came for. And so he goes, and he's not going to go to prison. He's not going to suffer death. And so he makes the decision. They compelled him. They forced him, if you will. But he had a choice. And his choice was this. I'll just get in behind whoever and whatever this is. I'll sacrifice my identity because they're going to think I'm some cruel man just along with all these others. I'll sacrifice my identity. I'll sacrifice my pleasure of doing what I intended to do and I'll get behind this man and I'll bear his cross along with him. The, the gospel of Mark says this though concerning Simon the Serene. The Bible speaks of him and speaks to those in whom Mark is speaking to and says that he was the father of Alexander and Rufus. He was the father. This is the only place we have this information in the harmony of the gospels. Matthew doesn't speak of it. Luke and John does not speak of Alexander or Rufus. But here Mark speaks of Alexander and of Rufus. And there's one reason why. Because many people believe that whenever Mark wrote his gospel that he wrote to the greater audience of the Romans he meant the greater audience of the Romans and he was speaking to them Mark, Mark's gospel was written about 20 years after all of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ so this is a story that is being told after the fact. This is a story being told after all of that had already taken place and you know how we do we try to make connections for people when they don't know someone we're talking about. You know how we do? They, they, might, not know, they might not know somebody uh, like Simon, but they may know his children. And so we make the connection for them. You know, Donna and Pop, well, Jeffrey's his, is, is their daddy. We might be talking about Jeffrey, but we give them two other names of connection so they can make a connection and know then who they're talking about. Simon is the one being talked about. But Mark brings up the names of Alexander and Rufus because they must have been known to his audience. They must have been known to the Romans and he was trying to give them a connection to Simon because they knew his children. They didn't know him, but they knew his children. And so as Mark is speaking to the Romans, he says Alexander and Rufus because these were notable people, evidently in the Roman community. As a matter of fact, whenever we consider the name Alexander, the name Alexander means one who assists men or a defender of men. Rufus means red. As a matter of fact, Rufus was one of the most commonest slave names. Amen. A name of a servant. It was most commonly knew, known and used the name Rufus. And so we have two individuals, one who assists man, one who has the name of a common slave or a servant. We have two people that are people that help, that people that assist, people that are undergird. Amen. These were known to the Romans. The Bible speaks to us in the book of Romans as Paul was writing that it speaks of a Rufus who was a choice man in the Lord and also his mother and mine Paul says I'm talking to you about a Rufus who is a is a good Christian a good man ready to assist and help whenever needed or whenever necessary Alexander a good man ready to assist and help to defend men whenever necessary the Romans knew Alexander the Romans knew Rufus but they did not know Simon and so as 
as Mark is telling the story of what happened 20 years ago, he says, there was a man, Simon. But for a point of connection, I know you don't know him, but you know Alexander, he's a man that defends others. He's a man that assists others. I know you know Rufus. He's a servant of all servants. He's a good Christian man. Well, Simon is their daddy. And let me tell you what Simon did. Simon helped bear the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a connection that happened right then for those folks. It's no surprise that Alexander is a defender of man. It's no surprise that he's one that assists man. There's no surprise that Rufus is a good Christian guy and that he's a servant to all people. If his daddy bore the cross of Christ, someone say amen. His daddy bore the cross of Christ. And what that meant then whenever Simon bore the cross of Christ was this, is that he bore the cross after Jesus. And so his footsteps would be stepping in the steps of the Lord. His footsteps and his speed would be set by the speed of the master. Hallelujah. Whatever the yoke that the Lord had upon him was the yoke that Simon would have upon him. And that forever changed his life. And that forever impacted his children, his two sons whether they were with him or whether they were not. Simon was on his way to Jerusalem but whenever he was compelled to bear the cross, he had to turn around in the opposite direction and go another way. Folks, cross-bearing fathers will get their lives in a 180 degree turnaround whenever you bear the cross of the Lord but not only will that do that for Simon, it will do it for his son Alexander and for his other son Rufus. Someone say amen. Fathers have impact. That cross Simon is bearing after Christ. There's a great company of people, the Bible says in Luke 23, that are there as all of this is taking place. Among that great group of people, there is some mothers that are there. Those mothers and those women are bewailing and lamenting the Lord Jesus Christ for what he's going to. Jesus turns to them. Listen to me now. This is after Simon has started to help bearing the cross. Jesus turns to these women. And he says, daughters of Jerusalem, he says, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves. And look at it. Hand for your children. For behold, a day is coming. Amen. When they shall say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the paps which never gave suck. In other words, he Jesus is telling them, don't be sorry for me, but you need to consider yourself and consider your offspring. Consider your children. While Jesus was speaking those words, right behind him bearing the same cross was a father. Right behind him was a father. As that Jesus was speaking to the mothers, that Jesus not directly, but indirectly was speaking to the heart of a father. He's telling those old moms to consider themselves, but also consider their kids. There's some that impacted Simon's life bearing that cross. He heard that message even for himself. I got to consider myself and I need to consider my boys. I don't know where all of his conversion took place or what happened in his life, but I know what he heard that day as Christ spoke as he bore his cross. Amen. He must have taken home because there's some good, well spoken of men of Alexander and Rufus, kids and sons of a cross bearer whose lives was reputable among the community of 
those that assist and help and serve in every capacity. Why? Simon said, I'm going to bear a cross. And did he ever know that when he bore his cross, he would get a message of what he needed to do concerning his children, whatever he needed to do concerning generations to come? We live in a society today, you know, we live today. Man, I just don't know what to do with my kids. If you would bear the cross as Simon bore the cross, there would be a message from the cross that would help give some mentoring and some tutelage about what needs to be done with the kids. Don't be crying for the Lord. You need to cry. You need to pour out your heart, Simon, for yourself and for your children, for those two boys at home. Do you understand what he, he impressed in the minds of those sons, whether they were with him or not with him? Do you understand what he impressed in their minds? He impressed in their minds that it's important enough to get to Jerusalem to travel a or 900 miles for a month's time in order just to be part amen of the celebration of the lamb it's important enough amen to sacrifice whatever expense you got to sacrifice in order to get there whenever those boys if they stayed at home when they seen daddy go they knew where he was going he was going to the house of God and dad's been saving up to get there he's going to travel a long distance to get there he might befall some evil on his way there but that will forever be indelibly stamped in the minds of those boys this is important enough to sacrifice for this is important enough to make a long journey for this is important enough say amen he helps bear that cross to Calvary's heel I don't know if he stayed long I don't know how long he stayed scripture doesn't tell us doesn't tell us as though if it was just a drop off and then he left or that he dropped it off there and he stayed but he was pressed and compelled with a choice of whether or not even to carry that cross to begin with that word compel comes from a Latin word which comes from a Persian word which the literal meaning of it is this to be pressed into the service of a king remember it said that he was Simon, a Cyrenian, was compelled. Saying Simon, a Cyrenian, was, was, was pressed into the service of a king. And he accepted, if you will, the pressure. He accepted, if you will, the pressure. Huh. Now, on a surface level, a literal level, it might be Simon, the Cyrenian, who's pressed in the service of the king or the emperor of the Roman Empire, as it would seem like on the surface. But in reality, he was pressed into the service of a king, of kings. And Lord of lords. On the surface, it looked like a Roman government that was putting him in his place and his position, putting that compelling and that pressure on him for the emperor. But I believe there was a greater handiwork of God that while that was taking place on the surface, there was a God whose eyes run to and fro over all the earth and says, Simon, I'm compelling you. I'm pressing you to get into service of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one you are following after, he's not a criminal. He's not a malefactor. He's the one that opened the blind eyes. He's the one that brought the dead back to life again. He's, you're saying you're going to touch his blood and become unclean? I'm telling you, if you get his blood on you, you'll forever be clean. Oh, 
yes. Honey, there's a lot of other things in this life we could do and get tainted and messed up, but if you become a cross-bearer, it's not going to have anything but a positive effect upon your life and upon your family and upon the life of your children for generations to follow. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. Changed his life. It changed the life of his children. Might I even say this morning that this whole action may have possibly influenced and impacted our lives. The Bible records in Acts 13 in verse number 1 now there were in the church that was at Antioch remember they were first called Christians there certain prophets teachers Barnabas and Simon which is just a variation of the name Simeon which is just a variation of the name Simon that was called Niger and Lucius of Serene. Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereinto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Hallelujah, Jesus. And so we have this sending away of Barnabas and, and Paul, or Barnabas, the Bible says, and Saul sends them away. We read also concerning this, that this Saul that they are speaking of is the one who was called Paul to give clarification. They were among these men, these prophets and teachers that are at Antioch. It seems as though this Simeon or Simon, he man, and it seems as though this Lucius are of Cyrene of that northern portion of Africa from the place of Libya that's about 800 to 900 miles away from Jerusalem. It's as though something is happening here in the area of Antioch that among these brethren and among these people that are gathered, there is the sending away because the Holy Ghost is impressed that they send Barnabas and Saul, or Paul if you will, away to minister and preach the gospel. This is, if you will, the, 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 the dispatchment, the commission of Barnabas and Saul, Paul, if you will, to start their missionary trips and their missionary journeys for planting churches and seeing people born again of the water and the spirit in various areas, cities, and towns. And what we know about the apostle Paul is this. Whenever Ananias came to him and spoke to him how he was to receive the Holy Ghost and the scales of his eyes were going to fall off of him. He told him, instructed of the Lord, Paul, you're going to be a minister to the Gentiles. You're going to be a minister not just to the Jew only, but to the Gentiles. Those that are just spoken of as being forsaken. Those that are spoken of, amen, that this has nothing to do with them. Those that are not of a direct line of Father Abraham. You're going to be a minister to the Gentiles. Well, among that group that's doing some commissioning, among that group that's doing some commissioning, I surveyed today that Simon is among them, the one who had bore the cross of the Lord, the one who had made the 800 or 900 
hundred mile journey and it took a month's time and he's commissioning Saul and he's commissioning Barnabas go on go with your missionary trips plant churches see people one to the kingdom of God and the greater portion of Paul's ministry was for the Gentiles can I tell you today that is you and that is me we are part of that segment that part of the pie of the Gentile nations the Gentile people so I'm telling you there is such an impact of a cross bearing father not only does it affect his sons Alexander and Rufus but it's still affecting us today because a man took up a cross behind the Lord and said where you step I step and at the pace you go I go and if it leads me to Calvary that's where I'm headed Someone say amen. And so they made their trip. And it impacted the world around them. And many come to know the Lord. And churches were planted. And the commissioning took place, no doubt, by Simon, a serene, a cross-bearing father. Fathers still will impact their children today. Still impact their sons and their daughters. If I can say it like this this morning... Through the eyes of our children, they behold us on such that the great thing about childhood and the innocence of childhood is that they'll view you on a greater plane than what you are. But that won't always be the case. Last night I came home. I was studying here at the church, and usually whenever I do that and it's time for my kids to go to bed, I go home, help my wife put them to bed. What's five, ten minutes out of time to do that and then come back? Rather than miss it altogether. So I went there and they had Father's Day gifts prepared. Had a little card. And there was a series of questions of about, I don't know, 15 or 20 that my wife had asked them. And they gave the answer. And it was there in that card. And just to show you, they, they view you on a larger plane than what you think. Trevor's little card there. And it says, how tall is your dad? Trevor says, 10 feet tall. Because through the innocence of childhood, we're viewed on a higher plane. But it won't always be that way. How you stand seems bigger to them than how you are. What you do seems greater than what you actually do. You hearing me? He said, he said Trevor, just as a side note, a little bunny here. He says, Trevor, what makes your dad sad? He says whenever he kneels down and starts praying. <laughs> oh, what a riot. But what I'm saying is this. The eyes of a couple of kids bearing the cross of Jesus even superseded what it was just on the plane level for a couple of kids. It impacted them to a greater degree than what it would have just another adult for those kids they estimated as something of a greater magnitude than what it was oh what's the big deal it's a big deal because that means then our impact is greater than what we even estimate our impact to be if you'll stand with me this morning we've got a grand responsibility Grand responsibility in this life to our families, to our children, 
The Bible speaks in the Old Testament. I'll, I'll close with this. The Bible speaks in the Old Testament of the high priest Aaron. His first obligation was not to offer sacrifice for the nation of Israel. His first obligation was not that. His first primary obligation was to offer sacrifice for himself and then for his household. Because what good and what purpose would have been in it if he had made sin offerings, offerings for trespasses, offerings for peace, if he did all that for a nation, but he stood out of alignment with God. What good would it have been if he had did that for a nation, but his children, his wife and family didn't have the covering of the blood in his life. So the Bible prescribes it as this, Aaron, you first sacrifice for yourself, not then the nation, you sacrifice for yourself, and then you do it for your household. You do it for your family. You do it for your kids. You do it for your wife, and then only then do you do it for the nation? Because there's a great responsibility for a cross-bearing father and its impact upon their lives. If we can bow our heads today. God, I come to you this morning. I'm thankful, God, for this day. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.